smooth, chilly deliciousness and vibing. You know, depending on what kind of watch you have. When it's time for Frosty Time, choose wisely. Choose Wendy's Frosty and Classic Chocolate or New Strawberry. Limited time only at participating U.S. Wendy's. Wrangler is made for those moments when your heart says go and you follow wherever it leads. Onto stages, into crowds, over desert highways, under city lights, past the boundaries and beyond what's expected. The heart can race, it can pound, it can leap, it can even break, but it never lies. And when it calls, you gotta be ready. In jeans that were made to move and built to last. Wrangler, for the ride of life. We don't want you on our team. You're too slow and fat. This is Weight Bias. I'm worried about your weight. Don't you care what other people think? Millions who live and are affected by obesity face weight bias every day. You're not the right fit for this job. Unfair judgment by others. Just stop eating so much and exercise some. You lose all this weight. These people often blame themselves. It's just me. Nobody likes me. I do exercise and eat right. And I talked to my doctor. Weight bias hurts. Everyone deserves to be treated with dignity and respect. Your words and actions matter. Let's stop weight bias. Let's work together. Be part of the solution. Go to StopWeightBias.com and learn more. A public service message from Obesity Action Coalition. You're listening to ESPN 100.3 FM. KLRZ, The Rose, New Orleans, and the River. It's time for the Sports Hangover with Gus Kattengill. Local sports, national sports. The G-Cat is on it. Oh, you made a wise choice, my friend. Now, settle up for a tall glass of sports talk. Here's the Sports Hangover with Gus Kattengill. It is not Gus Kattengill, but it is Casey. Just the pinch hitting today for the G-Cat, who's out on the beach, enjoying a little time away. He'll be back on Monday. We have a guest host tomorrow, and then I'll be back on Friday here on the Sports Hangover. We're passing a good time, having a wonderful show so far in the last hour, which you'll be able to catch in the archives later today. We had Scott Prather and Ralph Marlboro. We talked a ton of Saints in the last hour of the show, and we'll talk maybe uh, some NFL certainly, but maybe a little bit less Saints specific, maybe more taking a peek around the league. And we've also got some headlines that we want to talk about here in this segment of the show. We've got Sean Fox who will be joining us at 2.15. We'll comb the NFL headlines at 2.30. <laughs> and then one thing that I always like to do, I always like to end all of my shows talking some betting. I what can I say? I'm a, I'm a degenerate. Whatever. <laughs> We've got some NFL over under win totals that I want to take a peek at. Some things that I like, some p- things that I don't like. And we'll break that down at the very bottom of the show at the 245 segment. Uh, but some interesting headlines, y'all. I don't know how many golf fans we've got here on the show. I'm a big one. Um, there are some interesting things happening in the PGA Tour right now. With the Live Golf Tour gaining steam and getting traction and getting a lot more members. And then now the PGA Tour banning those Live Golf players from, you know, having a tour card and playing in tour events and they're trying to lock them out of getting world golf ranking points. And there's a lot of hypocrisy and a lot of different things. Um, I could spend hours and I have spent probably if you combine all the segments that I've done hours talking about this 
And for a new audience, I'll kind of sort of give my thoughts on this, but I'm going to read you the headlines first. Phil Mickelson, Bryson DeChambeau, and nine other golfers who are suspended by the PGA Tour for joining Live Golf have filed an antitrust lawsuit against the PGA Tour on Wednesday seeking a temporary restraining order from a federal judge that would allow them to compete in the upcoming FedEx Cup playoffs. Y'all, PGA Tour got to be careful. There are monopoly rules in business. Like, you can't just say, like, hey, we're going to be the only people to do something. That's not how the world works. You know, that's not... I can't just stand up here in the radio microphone today and say, all right, I'm going to be the only sports talk show in New Orleans, period. All you others, sorry, you can't operate anymore. I'm going to be the only one. I mean, if I tried to do that, first off, everybody would be laughing because they would know how ridiculous that is. But that's exactly what the PGA Tour is trying to do to these guys who are joining the Live Golf Tour. These guys have earned their tour cards. They have qualified to play in these events why shouldn't they be allowed to play? That's the first part of this, is how ridiculous it is that the PGA Tour is drawing a hard line, hey, we're going to chop the head off of the snake, you guys can't play. That's ridiculous. The second thing that's ridiculous about this, y'all, and hear me out, because what I'm about to say is kind of an unpopular opinion. The outrage that a lot of sports fans have about Live Golf in general is absurd. I hear the arguments all the time. Oh, it's dirty money. It's from the Saudis. Oh, you know, they, they shouldn't be accepting that. It's dirty. It's dirty. It's dirty. Where the hell do you think Nike and some of these other corporate companies are getting their money from? Go back and look at every Fortune 500 company. Go back and look at every billionaire in this country and trace and study where their fortunes are coming from. I guarantee you. It will all be coming, or not all of it, but some of it will be coming from overseas in some nations and some places that you are not comfortable with doing business with. Either China, either Saudi Arabia, whatever it may be, some of that money will be dirty and you will feel like there's blood on some of these people's hands if you just dig deeply enough. So why are we only pissed off about Live Golf? The PGA Tour is in partnership with the LPGA, right? That's the Women's Golf League. You know who their number one corporate sponsor is? It's a company. I'll, I'll, I'll try to find the name of the company in just a second. But you know where they're based out of? Saudi Arabia. No one says, how dare the women's tour You know, accept this? No. Why are we so negative towards what Live Golf is doing? I understand that change is hard to accept. But why are we faulting players like Phil Mickelson and Bryson DeChambeau from taking these $150, $200 million payouts? Because guess what? Mr. Um, electrician or Mr. Insurance Salesman or Mr. Milkman, whatever profession you're listening to us from right now, if a Saudi Arabia company knocked on your door today, hey, Mr. Jackson, I would like to offer you $100 million. You wouldn't ask where the money's coming from. You'd sign the damn check and start building a mansion. So don't fault these professional golfers for doing the same thing. They're just trying to take care of their families, man. Ah, it's ridiculous. I don't understand where that outrage is coming from. President Trump said it best a couple days ago whenever he his course sponsored the last Live Golf event. He said, hey, all the players that are turning down the money right now are going to regret it because in the future the Live Golf Tour may overtake the PGA Tour and some of those big payouts won't be available. And I think he's right. I think the Live Golf Tour is here to stay. And I think that the PGA Tour better learn to evolve and adapt very quickly or they might get left behind. It's another 
headline that I'm reading right now that I want to talk about. Y'all, this one is, whew, you think that there are some spoiled college football fans. Listen to this. Last year, Alabama football finished as the national runner-up. They won the SEC, which is the best conference in the world, and finished as the national runners-up. They won a college football playoff game, beating Cincinnati, then lost in the championship to Georgia. Today, (laughs) while speaking to reporters, Nick Saban said, and I quote, last season for us was kind of a rebuilding year. And then he elaborated saying, we should have nine starters back both on offense and defense. But then he said, you know, that those numbers were less because some guys transferred and went pro or whatever it may be. And he said that last year was a rebuilding year for the Alabama Crimson Tide. Okay, so let's talk about that. Nick Saban is, I'm going to pull it up. I don't want to mess up the the number here, but somebody's going to call and fuss at me. Nick Saban is 70 years old. Let's see, 70 years old. He turned 71 on October uh, October 31st. He is a multi-gazillionaire. He's made 10, 15, 20 million dollars a year coaching for decades. You add all that up, he's making a fortune. You add up all the TV work, the Aflac commercials, everything. The man has more money than what he could ever spend in multiple lifetimes. He is going to be 71 by the time the next season ends. Dude, if your rebuilding year is 13 and 2 and finishing second in the country, retire. Go home. Enjoy time with your grandkids. How is that not bored? Okay, I liken this to playing Mario as a kid, right? I would always play Mario as a kid. Once you beat the game a few times, you buy another game and you play another game. Nick Saban has beat the quote-unquote college football game a million times. He has won the national championship one, two, three, four, five, six, seven times. You are 70 years old. Your bad season, your rebuilding year is a national runner-up season. Go home. What are we still doing here? I get he still loves it and whatever it may be, but at some point that's got to become, even for a great coach like Nick Saban, that's got to become monotonous, man. Okay, we're going to go through camp. Okay, we're playing Arkansas. Yeah, we're going to beat them by 30. Okay, next is Ole Miss. We're going to beat them by 40. Okay, next is LSU. We'll beat them by 17. It's the same season every year. It's got to be boring. I know it's not boring for Alabama fans. They win it all damn near every year. But, man, goodness gracious, to hear that and read that, I was just reading to myself or thinking to myself, a rebuilding year? Are you kidding me? You won the SEC. How? Oh. Uh, it's disgusting the way that they have built that program up. We talked about it at the top of the show, and we'll mention it also here. Iconic Dodgers broadcaster Vin Scully passed away last night at the age of 94. He worked with the Los Angeles Dodgers for 67 years, was the absolute best at what he did, even into his 80s, was the absolute best at what he did. Dodgers president and CEO Stan Kasten said in a statement, we have lost an icon. Vin Scully is one of the greatest voices in all of sports. He was a giant of a man, not only as a broadcaster, but as a humanitarian. He loved people. He loved life. He loved baseball, and he loved the Dodgers. He also loved his family. 
His voice will be always heard and etched into our minds forever. I know he's looking forward to joining the love of his life, Sandy. Our thoughts and prayers go out to his family during this very difficult time. Vin will truly be missed. Exceptionally well said. There are, you know, in sports, I root for teams, of course, which my rooting allegiances will nauseate a lot of New Orleans. I'm a Cowboys fan since I've been a child. I'm sorry. I know I, I feel you guys throwing tomatoes at your radio. I understand. I also am a Rockets fan, and to which you guys are saying, man, what you got against Louisiana? Well, hear me out. When I was a kid, I'm 35 years old. They didn't have a Pelicans. The Rockets were the hometown team. That was the team closest to me that was an NBA franchise, so I became a Rockets fan through that, and then it just stuck. Now, since James Harden, I became a big Harden fan, and now I root for whatever team he's on in addition to the Rockets, whatever. It's complicated. I'm also an Atlanta Braves fan, so I root for teams, of course, like anybody else. But as a fan of sports, I'm also drawn to excellence, right? I'm also drawn to the idea that when watching a high-level athletic competition, we are seeing people do the things that they do better than anybody else in the world could do them. I'm not a huge Tom Brady fan, right? But I also respect and understand that when we're watching Tom Brady – we're watching something that we're probably never going to see again. A guy who's 45 years old playing at a high level, a guy who's won a handful plus Super Bowl rings, we're never going to see that again. I respect that. And the same with Nick Saban, right? I was just making fun of him five minutes ago, but I understand we're never going to see an athletic coach or program have that much dominance probably ever again. And I think the same goes also for people who are ancillary parts of what happens in the world of sports. Vin Scully is a broadcaster that of the likes of which we may never see again. He was such an elite storyteller. He was so good at telling, keeping things on task and following the action of the game while also painting a picture. That is so hard to do. As someone who does play-by-play here on Coastal Broadcasting, that's an art. That is such a difficult thing to do, and he did it better than probably anyone who's ever done it before. An absolute legend leaves our earth yesterday, and we certainly wish all our thoughts and our prayers to the Dodgers family and everybody who's grieving in their time of need. Lastly, and then we'll catch a break, Conor McGregor, UFC star, MMA star, is going to be delving into Hollywood. He's going to be one of the star actors in a new film in the remake of the movie Roadhouse, which will be debuting sometime in the next few years. McGregor said he's eager to take the stage in the remake of the 1980 or 1980s cult hit that starred Patrick Swayze. It'll be released on Amazon Prime Video. Um, very interesting to see how Conor McGregor does. I know he could certainly talk the talk. He's got a great mouth. We'll see if he could walk the walk out in Hollywood. It's the Sports Hangover. Let's catch a break. When we get back, we're going to Sean Fox. We'll go back to the phone lines. We're having a great show. We hope that you guys stay tuned until 3. It's the Sports Hangover on ESPN 100.3. <laughs> Where did you come from? Where did you go? Where did you come from? Cutting that 
It's Gus Cattengill with the Sports Hangover inviting you to join us for Thursdays with the crew of Katie's. Every Thursday we'll be live at a member of the Katie's family of restaurants from 12 to 3. When the Sports Hangover is at Katie's on Iberville, you're going to enjoy Sports Banner. It'll be lively and delicious eats. Swamp Fries, Oysters Schlesinger, the Delta Queen, or if you dare, Tackle the Barge. A three-foot loaf of fried catfish, shrimp, and oysters. Good luck. It's Thursdays, 12 to 3, the Sports Hangover with the crew of Katie's on ESPN New Orleans. Energize your business with Bayou Black Electric Supply in Homa. When you're elbow deep in a job, the last thing you need is to lose time and money fetching electrical supplies. Bayou Black Electric will deliver your items to the job site. There's daily scheduled service throughout South Louisiana, Lafouche, Terrebonne, Morgan City, New Iberia, and Lafayette. Plus the River Parishes too. If you need parts, call Bayou Black Electric Supply. 985-223-8807. Highway 311 in Homa. You can taste some of Kentucky's rarest and most sought-after bourbons this Saturday at Rouse's Markets Bourbon Pop-Up. Rouse's Markets is pouring rare and hard-to-find bourbons at their Golden Meadows store this Saturday, August 6th from 10 to 12, or the bourbons run out. That's this Saturday at Rouse's Markets in Golden Meadow, 10 to 12. Whether you're a bourbon enthusiast or just getting into the bourbon game, you'll be pappy at Rouse's Bourbon Pop-Up in Golden Meadow. At Thibodeau Regional Wellness Center, we're improving the health and well-being of the region one person at a time. And this means more tea times, more play time, more time to do good, more fast time, and more once upon a time. Isn't it time you started living your best life? Change starts here at Thibodeau Regional Wellness Center. Let's hit it. Now back to the Sports Hangover with Gus Kattengau. It is not Gus, but it is Casey Justclare proudly filling in for Gus, who's spending some R&R time on the beach here on the Sports Hangover. We've got about 45 minutes to spend with you all today. We go to the phone lines for our final calling guest today. It is Sean Fox, who's on the line now. Sean, good afternoon, my friend. How are you? Casey, glad to see the upgrade, buddy. How are you? <laughs> the upgrade, I like that. Well, let's talk about this, brother. You know, we were we were looking to have you on, and uh, I was stu- combing through your Twitter page, and one of the things I'm most excited about in this segment is we got so many different places where we could go. I see you're talking about Saints. I see you're talking about college football. Yeah, Sharon. I'm it, an enigma. Yeah, yeah. Look, in the last segment of the show, and, and we'll start here. I was talking about, and I saw you shared a couple of tweets. Um, Vin Scully, man, look, he's an inspiration to me. I think he's an inspiration directly or indirectly to a lot of folks in this job. He was such a great storyteller. I'm looking at the tweet right now you shared of him telling a story about a guy getting attacked by a wolf during the game. Like, yeah. There was nobody else like him, man. A great one's truly missed. Like, seamlessly. Like, he's talking about a wolf attacking somebody, and there's the 3 or 2 pitch, and he gets right back to the story. Like, <laughs> like never missing a beat. And, and I'm not a – you know, it's interesting, Casey, and I'm actually leading my show off here talking about this. Like, I've, I've learned a lot about Vin Scully over the last few hours. Uh, I mean, I've, obviously, I knew he was a long-time, obviously very long-time voice of the Dodgers, but, heck, I didn't even realize that the Dodgers, when they first moved, from uh, Brooklyn to New York. They played at Memorial Coliseum where USC plays. Uh, I'm 40 years old, and it did happen. Uh, but, I mean, I don't ever remember hearing about it uh, until I was like, oh, wow, the reading about Vince. I was like, wow, I didn't know they played at Memorial Coliseum. I knew, of course, he had some legendary baseball calls. 
Uh, I didn't realize he was the guy who called the catch. Obviously, that's one of the most famous plays in NFL history where Joe Montana hits Dwight Clark in the back of the end zone. But I think he will always be synonymous with baseball. And you look at it 94 years. I saw a tweet by Aaron Torres from Fox Sports. I mean, he was calling games when Jackie Robinson was playing, and he just hung it up six years ago. Think about that. I mean, that's kind of mind-blowing. If we were telling the story of baseball, he would be the narrator. And I I don't – like, he's definitely – if he's not – I'd say he's in the mix for best announcer of all time. He probably is the best at what we've done. Yeah, there's no doubt about that. You know, in Googling and doing a little research for the show – was on the call for Hank Aaron's, you know, record-setting home run. Didn't realize that. Like, there's so many moments. Joe Carter's home yeah. run in the World Series. I mean, you, Sandy, you, Sandy Koufax. I mean, we could keep going. Yeah, you, you you remember the moments. You don't remember the voice behind the moments, but yep. he's behind so, so many of them. Let's talk about this. Um, big news in Saints camp, right, is Teron Matthew is back. He is rocking and rolling. He had his little hiatus. He's back with the team. I think collectively, you know, I haven't been outside much today. It might be a windy day, and if it is, I think that's just the the wind from all the Saints fans exhaling because after the last week there was a lot of panic, but the Honey Badger is back, and he's ready to rock and roll. And I think as much of an impact as he's going to make on the field, I talked about this earlier in the show, he's going to make a big impact off of it with his leadership as well. Big, big get for New Orleans to get him back in business. It's huge, and that was a big gust coming from North Louisiana as well. as <laughs> I and the rest of the Saints do that community up here. Uh, we're breathing a big sigh of relief. And listen, Casey, you know this. Like we say, we shouldn't speculate. We all speculate, right? That's what we do. And that's one of the, that's some of the fun in Sports Talk Radio. Why is he doing this? And, of course, I went, worst-case scenario, and I'm like, I hope I'm wrong. But is he is he burned out? Listen, it happens. This is a brutal sport. And he's had a lot of wear and tear on that body. And maybe he's just I, – I was thinking maybe he's he's fulfilled everything. He's won a Super Bowl. What else does he have to prove? I mean, he signed with the Saints, but is his heart still in it? Is he done? And, of course, that speculation, thank God, um, that's not true. And his back is – I mean, that was that was a hell of a way to open the uh, the social media today and give a sigh of relief. You see there, like, ooh, thank goodness he's there. But it's just I, – I think this is one of the most impactful signings. And we could make the whole joke about LSU players going to New Orleans, but I think Tyron Matthews' story is so much bigger than that. He is just a shining example of what you want from a professional athlete. He is a huge, huge advocate, not for the city, not just for the city, but Casey, what I love is he talks a lot about the state. I want to represent the state well. And look, that might not register in the 985 and the 504, but it still registers in the 337, the 225, and the 318. Like, we like to hear that. We like to feel included as well. And he's just done so much. And I the Saints were, in my mind, for so long, you had Drew Brees and Sean Payton as kind of the face of this organization. And now that those two guys are gone, well, who's going to be that guy that you identify with the Saints? Can you think of anybody better? And this is not the way from Cam or Alvin Kamara. Hell, I love Jameis and what he's doing. But if I can't think of anybody better to kind of be the new face of this organization than a guy who played at LSU from the heart of the city, playing for the New Orleans Saints. As good as that memory is of Tracy Porter running back that interception and the Super Bowl and Drew Brees holding up his baby, I mean, the only thing that could possibly top that is Tyran Matthew running back an interception 
and holding up a Super Bowl trophy. That's the that's the only thing that could ever top that moment. Yeah, no, that I'm I'm getting you know the chills just thinking of that image. If if that were ever to happen, that'd be incredible. Um, I saw you know Nick Saban and I, I ran it and raved about this in the last segment of the show. He called, <laughs> and this is comical now. He called last year for Alabama a rebuilding year, a year in which they won the SEC, a year in which they finished as the national runners-up. And then another tweet that you shared today from Brett McMurphy, the national college football writer, said, Alabama's going to be favored by double digits in all 12 of their regular season games. Sean, I don't know if you played video games as a kid. I liken this to whenever I was you know, young playing Super Nintendo. Once you beat the Mario game once, like it, it doesn't become as fun. This dude is 70 years old. He's going to be a double-digit favorite in every game, and he's saying that his runner-up finish year is a rebuilding year. What keeps this guy motivated to keep wanting to do this every year? This is, Casey, this is what separates this guy from everybody else. And um, I, I am no Alabama fan. In fact, I if, if there's anybody I despise more than the Atlanta Falcons, it's the Alabama Crimson Tide. But I have to give the devil its due. It's just the way that the man is built. He's built differently. And, and I've given this example plenty of times. The, the great story, we're talking about the Tyran Matthew doing with the Saints. I, I truly believe I, I, that, I mean, sometimes I hear dream job and a, a coach gets, and I'm like, okay, dude, nobody's dream job is Ball State. I'm going to vomit over here. Well, I think Ed Orgeron's dream job truly was LSU. You could not have written a better, written a better script from a guy from the heart of the bayou coaching LSU winning a national championship, arguably the greatest team of all time. But what I think where the difference is, I'm turning this back to Saban, is the eye of the tiger, pun intended, was gone once he achieved it. I think I think Ed worked his tail off to get to that natty, yep. but everything changed yep. after that. And I knew Ed was in trouble last year when it's two years removed from 2019, and I'm still hearing him, well, we figured that out in 2019. I'm like, brother. We're two years removed from that. It's time to move on. We appreciate it. But Nick Saban, y'all, like, why is he not smiling? He just won a national championship because he's always thinking about what's next. I think the fear of losing, I think, motivates him more than the joy of winning. And I think he's right. The sad thing is, I do think that was a rebuilding team last yeah. year because they arguably have the best offensive player in the country and young and the best defensive player in the country, and Will Anderson. And you know, they've just regurgitate uh, top ten or top, top top one or two recruiting classes. They're absolutely loaded. Now, can they slip up? Well, maybe. But, yeah, that was a bad year, but that's just where the bar is at Alabama. They are playing at a, a completely different level. Now, do I hope they slip up in Baton Rouge? Sure. I think Tennessee is going to be um, considerably better. Obviously, they'd probably have Georgia looming in the SEC championship game, and I do think Georgia can beat them. I'm not buying into Texas 8-4, and four, but they are incredibly talented. But, uh, look, I, I think right now, and I know you didn't ask me this, and I'm getting long-winded, but I, I think we haven't even started the season yet, and I think two teams, Alabama and the Saints uh, farm system, Ohio State, <laughs> you could almost lock them yeah. in to two of the four teams in the college football playoff. Yeah, I think it's hard to deny that, man. It's certainly a situation where you'd be very surprised if they weren't there. And um, so let's talk about this for a second, man. I, I know that you you know host some radio out there in North Louisiana. And on my Monday through Friday show, I talk a lot of prep sports. One of the yeah. things we often say here in South Louisiana was, look, 
South Louisiana is primarily a wide receiver running back area. North Louisiana is where the Giants are. What the hell are you guys doing to make them boys so big, man? Uh, it's the power lines up here. <laughs> uh, <laughs> look, look, well, they eat. Look, I, I'm somebody who, I, at 40 years old, I've literally, I'm originally from Vanderbilt, born at East Jefferson Hospital. So I've spent half my life in both parts of the state as a youngster there, as an older person here, and the rest of my family still lives down there. They still eat good here. It's not as good. But it's still good, but it is kind of, it's almost kind of similar to what we see in college football, right? Like, you go above the Mason-Dixon line, you go to the Midwest to go find the offensive linemen, go find the bigs, then you go to the south to get all the skill guys. Yep. In a way, it's up there. Yeah, they got a Will Campbell last year. Uh, so Lance Hurd's another big name from Neville, who is uh, down to Nebraska and LSU, I think, when it's all said and done. He'll end up at LSU, but listen, they got their fair share of good skill position players as well, uh, led by uh, a guy who is committed to LSU. And I get a chance to call his games every Friday. And Gus is some of your listeners probably heard me mention this guy with Gus, but Trey Holly from Union High School. Oh yeah, running back. I, I, I'm not. I'm look. You watch a lot of high school football. I do too. I don't care what class it's been, but the last two or three years. This guy's been the best running back in the state. I don't care about Citizen. I don't care about Moss. I don't care about Jackson. Trey Holly is the has been the best tailback in the state of Louisiana. And I'll point you back to the 2020 season where he had an I mean close to 2,500 yards and I think close to 50 total touchdowns. And he did it. They played 15 games because they made it to the state championship game before they lost to Madison Prep and of course uh, Quincy Wiggins that bunch who were awesome. But he only played in about eight full games that year and put up those kind of numbers. He's a special, special player. It looks like, you know, we've got Lance at Neville. We've got Trey. But it feels like right now, and obviously I know in the New Orleans area you always got talent, but it feels like the most condensed talent really over the last five or six years in the state at the prep level has been Baton Rouge and Lafayette. And it looks like it's that way again this year. Yeah, no doubt about that. Let's talk a little bit of LSU, man, because there, there's so much intrigue, and, and one of the things that I think makes this LSU season so interesting is, besides for the Brian Kelly stuff in his first year, is that, look, if you told me LSU would have everything go wrong and would finish five and seven, I'd be surprised, but I wouldn't, you know, think, I wouldn't be shocked. If you told me LSU had everything go right and would finish 11 and one, I'd maybe be a little surprised, but I wouldn't be altogether shocked. I think it's going to end up being somewhere in the middle, but what I'm getting at is there's a very, lower floor and a very high ceiling and there's a whole lot of gray there's a whole lot of variance for how this season could go at lsu it's going to be very intriguing to see how it shakes out you you can't lose the florida state in the superdome that's for sure no doubt you got to get that one i think you have to start the season the month of september undefeated because once you get to october it is absolutely brutal and it doesn't let up because listen as you know arkansas is not not a pushover i mean once you get into the west i think mississippi state um, is going to be very good this year. Obviously, what Ole Miss did last year. I think LSU, I, the big thing is who's the quarterback. Um, I would not be surprised if we saw all three quarterbacks play early. It kind of feels like the tea leaves are leaning towards Nussmeyer, but I do think they'll have packages for Daniels. I would not be surprised if Miles Brennan, in fact, I expect him to at least get the first snaps against Florida State. Casey, I think they got good front run talent. I think they got as much front-line talent as anybody in the SEC, and that includes Alabama. The problem with LSU this year is 
the depth. I just don't think they have the depth of some of those top teams in the SEC. If they can stay healthy, I think they could maybe be nine and three. If they if if everything kind of goes their way, and if, again, college football is crazy, ten and two. I think the floor is six and six. If they yeah. were less than that, I would be shocked. I've got. I mean, I'm kind of cheating here. I think it's going to be high. Personally, I think it's eight and four for the best, six and six for the worst, and probably. Obviously, we know it's going to be an odd year. That's when LSU's at their best. Um, I think within three years. I mean, Brian Kelly's got them back in a playoff. I, now that's the thing. Yeah, I, I truly believe that it's going to be a situation, and I liken it almost to what we saw with LSU baseball. Is that you better get them now. Jay Johnson's first yep. year, the Tigers were hit or miss. You better get them now because oh, I think they're this so is, loaded. Yes, gracious, look like an all-star team next year. Yeah, no doubt about that. And I think that football is going to be along that same plane as I think that you better beat them now because I think Brian Kelly and that's his track record, right? That's what he always does. He's going to get them into that consistent place where, unlike what kind of what Ed was doing, where Ed would have a really good year, then it kind of tapered off. LSU wants to be a 10-11 win program every single season. I think Kelly's the right guy to do that. Well, and, and I think between Kelly, Mulkey, McMahon, and Jay Johnson, this might be the most stable of yep. the big sports LSU has been, I'm not going to say in my lifetime, but at least in a really, really long time across across those sports. Yeah, there's no doubt. I agree with that 100%, my friend. Look, um, I don't know how much Warhawks you do out there, man. What, tell us a little I about you, El Monroe. Let, let, let's chat about them for a sec. It's going to be a long year. Yeah, it, It's probably going to be a long year for ULM and Louisiana Tech. Who's, I mean, I'm lucky enough. i got three, four-ish high, college football teams. Sometimes I play like high school football teams. <laughs> college football teams in my back. Northwestern State is kind of in our listening area, just on the outskirts. But Grambling Tech and ULM are in our backyard. Grambling's got Hugh Jackson. Uh, they got 37 players in their signing class and a bunch of transfers. I think Grambling right away is going to compete with Deion Sanders and Jackson State. Sonny Cumbie over at Louisiana Tech, new head coach. It's going to take some time. Uh, they've got a, they completely, I mean, they've got every quarterback that was on their roster last year is gone. They've had to completely bring in uh, a new quarterback room. They've got some transfers. Parker McNeil from Texas Tech, he was with Cumbie there. Matthew Downing, who was with Cumbie at TCU, is here. They got a really talented kid in Landry Liddy, who was the Gatorade Offensive Player of the Year, uh, Albert Calvary, but it's going to take him him time to develop. I don't think he plays this year. Um, and then you, you mentioned ULM, and of course, I went in a completely different direction. I think Terry Bowden is the right guy for the job. It just happens to be, if not, no, it is probably the toughest job in the country. Yeah. Um, they had to. Their, their, Rich Rodriguez came in for a year. He leaves and then takes half the staff with him. So you had to bring in um, a lot of new people. Now, they they brought in new people, but one of them was old, and it was Matt Kubik, who was the OC. He left to go to Southern Miss uh, before Rodriguez got there. He's back, and honestly, the offense was better. I think they will be a better team when they were last year, when they took a huge jump, because the win-loss last year going into the season was two wins. They ended up winning four. I think they'll be better. It just won't show in the win-loss record because when you look at the first four weeks of the season um, at Alabama, or excuse me, at Texas, rough. Nickel State, come on. like That's y'all's backyard. I think Nickel State is very, very good. I love what Coach Rebo's done and would not be shocked if they came up here and knocked off ULM. Then they play Alabama, and then they've got the Raging Cajun. So it's a tough start to the season for ULM. Sean, before we let you go, where can we find your work, brother? Uh, you can find me out on Twitter, Fox 
four sports talk very easy fox the number four sports talk and if at some point you want to listen to what we do uh you can check us out online sports talk 977.com and hit listen live beautiful thanks buddy appreciate you yep that is sean fox doing a great job fun conversation going across the realm of sports let's catch a break it's the sports hangover when we get back we're going to comb through some headlines in the nfl then we'll get you some over under win total things that we like in the nfl we'll be right back after this Advanced Eye Institute and Cutoff is your hometown eye care provider. Dr. Darby Chasson is here to serve the eye care needs of your entire family. Full-service eye medical and vision services are provided in a friendly atmosphere. For the latest in designer frames to advancements in astigmatism and bifocal contact lenses, call Advanced Eye Institute at 985-632-2884 for your appointment today or visit our website at visionsourceadvancedeyecutoff.com. Bundling car and renter's insurance with GEICO is so easy, your neighbors are probably already doing it. But who? Look for the signs. Chances are they live in a home and have a car. They use money and enjoy having more of it. They probably drink lots of lemonade. Mmm, lemonade. And they've probably said something suspicious like, I'm bundling with GEICO or stop spying on me with those binoculars. If so, you may want to ask them how easy it was to bundle with GEICO. Bundling is easy with GEICO. Just ask your neighbors. When you download the Home Depot app, taking on big or small projects starts with a tap. It's your pocket-sized toolbox for getting more done. Image Search helps you find what you need with a snap. Store Mode pinpoints exactly where to go to get what you want while you're at our store. Or just tap to arrange for easy curbside pickup, all from the palm of your hand. It's the app that's made for doing. The Home Depot app. How doers get more done. Keyshawn Johnson, Jay Williams, and Max Kellerman. I'm a huge Star Wars fan. Are you watching Obi-Wan Kenobi? Yes, I am. Okay, because I'm watching it with my kids. I don't want to offend anybody, yeah. but I don't even know who Obi-Wan Obi-Wan Kenobi, I got you. But, oh, Darth Vader was catching wrecking on episode... Darth Vader showed up in episode three. Up until a couple years ago, I thought it was Dark Vader. GJ and Max, followed by Greeny. Mornings on ESPN Radio and on the ESPN app. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. Only one performance a day. Now let's get this show on the road, eh? Now back to The Sports Hangover with Gus Kattengall. We got about 20 minutes left to spend with you all. It's The Sports Hangover. Casey just got filling in for Gus. We're having a great time. We want to thank all of the awesome guests that we've had throughout our Sports Hangover portion of the program. Scott Prather, Ralph Marbrew, and then Sean Fox, and also the guests that we had lined up for the play-by-play portion of our program, Chip Didier. BJ Young and Taylor Griffin. And you know what? I got to thank the G cat out on the beach, A, for the opportunity to do this, but also B, you know, he lined up those guests for me. I asked him, I said, Hey, Gus, get me some guests for Wednesday show, please. And he gave me those folks and, you know, helped arrange the times and everything. He didn't have to do that, but he did. And we certainly appreciate it. So we'll talk some NFL here in this segment. Um, we've talked a ton of Saints here in the show. So we'll kind of stray away from that and look around the rest of the league. My Cowboys. How about them Cowboys? Well, I'm Marlon favorite on Friday. We'll talk a little bit about Dallas, but the Cowboys are struggling, which I'm sure will make a lot of people in the state of Louisiana very happy. The Cowboys are struggling to find healthy wide receivers. Um, 
the Cowboys had an injury to James Washington, fractured his right foot in practice. Dallas is also without Michael Gallup, who is recovering from a torn ACL and is going to miss at least the beginning of the regular season against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So Dallas is without uh, experience at that position. They've got only C.D. Lamb and Noah Brown. Um, Those are the only guys on the roster right now who have caught a regular season pass from Dak Prescott. So Jerry Jones was asked, do you go and try to get a veteran or you know try to make a trade or whatever it may be? Uh, Biz Odell Beckham is still available. Manuel Sanders is still available. And Jerry Jones said, nope, we're not going that road right now. He said, hey, let's give these young guys the incentive. Our young receivers, we thought highly of them when we came out. We'll get Washington rehab, but it doesn't create an urgency for us to add a veteran receiver. We like the young guys that we have. Here's the thing about Dallas, y'all. I'm a Cowboy fan. I said that at the open of this segment, but I'm also a Cowboy realist. Don't make a difference who the receivers are. As long as Dak Prescott's the quarterback, those guys aren't going to look as good as they could look. Prescott is a guy that has been an enigma to me throughout the last several years because there are some games where he looks phenomenal. Last year, 37 touchdowns, 10 interceptions. That looks tremendous. The stats and the cover of the book looks tremendous. But then there are some moments mixed in there where it's like, what the hell is this guy doing? And you look at some of the games in uh, in there last year for Dallas, Prescott really struggled at times. He had a lull in the middle of the season where against New Orleans, one touchdown, one interception, wasn't all that good. Against Kansas City was awful. No touchdowns, two interceptions. Uh, against New Orleans wasn't great. Against the Giants wasn't great. Then he finished the season strong. Then we get to the playoffs. Same story 53% completions, one touchdown, one interception. So until Prescott becomes that consistent, every Sunday I'm giving you 300 guy, that's what the Cowboys got to worry about more than their receiver core, though it is a concern that you're running out of healthy bodies there on that side of the ball. Another big headline in the world of the NFL is, I mean, of course you got the big story with the Miami Dolphins losing their first-round pick and being fined and everything of the sort. Um, that was huge. I mean, that was a big, big news story that broke yesterday. Um, it's, it's crazy to think. And, you know, Ralph and some of those guys that we had on earlier in the show were talking about this as well. How does this happen? <laughs> you know, the Dolphins were not just kind of cheating. They were not just kind of tampering. They were not just sort of breaking the rules. They were blatantly tampering. They were blatantly breaking the rules. How do you let your scheme get this far gone without anyone in the organization being like, hey, dude, you got to reel this in. Like, this is going too far. That, to me, is the most fascinating part of it all. Is not that it happened. We know that there's tampering. It's, it's rampant throughout the course of the league. I ain't dumb. You know, no one else who watches the game should, could, should be naive about this either. But what's crazy is just how far it was able to go on before something was done about it. And the Dolphins get zapped, and they get zapped in a big way. Losing a first-round pick is a big deal. Losing a third-round pick is a big deal. Dolphins are in some hot uh, water, and they're going to have to try to figure out how to get out of that hot water without a couple of draft picks. NFL injury news. The Broncos talk about wide receiver injuries. The Broncos lose a wide receiver. Tim Patrick, who suffered a torn ACL in his right knee, he's going to be out for the entire season. Denver is a fascinating team this season. Because they 
uh, excuse me, one of the teams that went out and got a quarterback in the offseason. They got Russell Wilson. Great defense out there. And now they're revamping their image. They got Russell Wilson in, but he loses one of his big weapons. So we'll see how big of a blow that is for the Broncos. I got to tell you guys something. And maybe this Russell Wilson thing works out big. And maybe the Broncos take a huge leap forward. And if they do, it shouldn't be a huge surprise to anybody. Because Wilson has been a wonderful player throughout the course of his career. I watched a little bit of Seattle last year. And I know he was in and out of the lineup, injured, had the hand injury or whatever it may be. Didn't look like the same guy to me. Even when he came back after the injury at times, he had some moments, he played well at times, but he also struggled at times. When he held on to the ball, took some hits, whatever it may be. I'm a little curious about Denver. There are a lot of folks that are predicting Super Bowl run and one of the best teams in the AFC. I'm not all the way there yet. Not all the way there yet. I want to see early in the season what Russell looks like. Was it apathy? Was it that he was unhappy? Maybe. that Maybe that was part of it. Whew, but I don't know. At times he looked a little bit, um, maybe a step slower than what we'd been used to seeing with him. Debo Samuel, the great San Francisco 49er wide receiver, running back, whatever you want to call him, said that communication was the key to his working out a new deal with the San Francisco 49ers. Samuel signed a three-year extension worth up to $73.5 million yesterday that's going to keep him with the 49ers for the next several years. The money that has been given to wide receivers this past offseason is absurd, and Samuel is the latest to cash in. But I think Debo's worth it. You know, as fans, we often use the label, and you hear coaches talk about it all the time, well, that guy's a football player. Debo Samuel personifies the quote-unquote football player label. 73 receptions, 1,400 yards, six touchdowns as a receiver. As a running back, he's carrying the ball 59 times, 365 yards, eight touchdowns. If you wanted to, you could probably play him at, you know, linebacker or whatever. Like he's just a guy. He just knows what to do when on a football field. And if the 49ers didn't have him in their offense, their offense would get very limited in short order. It would be just a lot of tight ends and fullbacks and some of the, you know, Samuel was the speed. That kind of took the top off of the defense where the 49ers had a lot of tight ends and a lot of meaty guys, a lot of guys that want to push you around. Samuel was the, hey, I'm going to take the top off of the defense. I'm going to make a really big play happen. And that's what allowed the 49ers to take their offense to the next level, even with Jimmy Garoppolo not necessarily being one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. It's the Sports Hangover here on ESPN 100.3. When we get back, we're going to... Take a look out in Las Vegas. Got some NFL over under win totals. I'll tell you a few that I like, a few that I don't like. It's the sports hangover on ESPN opportunities are created, not waited on. That's the Danos difference. I've been here for 23 years. The opportunity for advancement within Danos was pretty evident early on in my career. They give you a lot of tools and training in order to learn the oil field industry. It's been an excellent ride for me. Join the team that does it different at danos.com. That's D-A-N-O-S dot 
day, my friend said he saw a mosquito the size of a poodoo out near Dulac. Now, he may be exaggerating, but mosquitoes are back and swarming up and down the bayou. If you need help with mosquito control, call Terminex and the Bayou Boys, Dan and Billy Foster. They have a number of ways to protect you from those blood-sucking mosquitoes. So whether you live up the bayou or down the bayou, Terminex is here for you. So call those Bayou Boys. They'll get you, get you Terminex tough. Time is money. Don't waste both running around looking for filters, batteries, and belt sand related items. Fleet Supply Warehouse delivers. Fleet Supply offers daily scheduled delivery, including Bayou Lafouche, New Orleans, Morgan City, New Iberia, Lafayette, Thibodeau, Baton Rouge, the North Shore, plus the River Parishes, too. Automotive, lawn equipment, agricultural, marine, or industrial. Fleet Supply Warehouse. 985-868-0430. Venture Boulevard, Homa. Come on, citizen! What are you waiting for? Pick up the phone. We want you to be on the show. Now back to The Sports Hangover with Gus Kattengap. Welcome back to the Sports Hangover. This is Casey Jiskar filling in for Gus. We've got one last segment to go, and then we'll put a bow on this show. Hope everybody has been enjoying it. I'm going to be doing my usual thing over on play-by-play 1130 to 1 tomorrow. And then Friday, I'll be back. We'll be doing another little simulcast broadcast. Gus has a laundry list of guests lined up, and then I'll book a few here and there as well uh, to make sure that we keep you guys entertained. One thing that I've always been told, and this is in the world of sports, but this is also throughout just life as a whole, is that if you want to find out where the answers are, <laughs> follow the money. So one of the things that um, I like to do, especially before the start of any season, is I like to go to Vegas and I like to see, I like to literally follow the money, see you know what Vegas thinks is going to happen. Because look, there are a couple of businesses in life that never go bankrupt, and a casino is one of them. And the reason for that is because they know what they're doing. They're smarter at their job than you are as a gambler trying to beat their system. So over under win totals for the NFL, these are very entertaining to me. Las Vegas thinks that the two best teams in the NFL are the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the Buffalo Bills. So that, in theory, and again, this may not be how it shakes out, certainly. They've got to decide the games on the field. But in the preseason, Vegas thinks the Super Bowl is going to be Tampa and Buffalo. Tampa has over under 11.5 wins. Buffalo has over under 11.5 wins. Those are the two highest totals on the board in Las Vegas. Buffalo, for my dollar, was the best team in the NFL last year and didn't make it to the Super Bowl. They played a very bad defensive possession when soft played prevent, allowed Kansas City to score and force overtime, and the Chiefs ended up beating them in overtime. But I thought Buffalo was actually the best team last year. Will they be hungry and be able to replicate that again with Josh Allen? That remains to be seen, but they certainly have the extremely high expectations going into the year. Now, Tampa Bay's one that's a little bit interesting, right? And I promised you some, some like commentary and some reaction, maybe even a pick or two here. I don't know that Tampa Bay's getting to 11 and a half. Think about the Tampa offense last year when Rob Gronkowski didn't play. It wasn't nearly as good. It became very limited. Tom Brady kind of lost his safety valve. It was easier to guard Evans. It was easier to guard you know, Godwin and all those other guys. It became kind of limited. Now, Brady's a year older. We know there's not going to be Gronkowski barring him coming out of retirement, which is certainly possible. And I don't know. I'm just not feeling it with Tampa. And another thing that has to do with this 
11 and a half wins with this schedule that I'm about to rattle off to you is a lot. The first four games for Tampa are at Dallas. That's tough. At New Orleans, a team you haven't beaten in the last couple of years. That's tough. Green Bay, Kansas City. That's the first four games. That's going to be brutal. You might start one and three or two and two right out of the shoot. Also, you play at Pittsburgh. That's not going to be easy. You face Lamar Jackson and the Ravens. That's not going to be easy. You face the Super Bowl champion Rams. You're going at Cleveland, and this is post the Watson suspension, so Watson will be back in the lineup. You play New Orleans again. At San Francisco, that's going to be tough. Facing Joe Burrow, that's going to be tough. You're facing Arizona on the road. That's going to be tough. It's going to be difficult for Tampa Bay to get over 11 and a half wins. That would have to be 12 and 5 to for that bet to cash. That's going to be tough for the Buccaneers. I like under in that one. I think they're going to go 10 and 7, 11 and 6. I don't know that they're getting to 12. Another one that is intriguing to me. The Kansas City Chiefs. They're over under 10 and a half wins. Literally no one in the NFL right now is talking about the Chiefs. Everybody's actually kind of writing off the Chiefs. They lost Tyreek Hill, you know, whatever it may be. Everybody's kind of down on Mahomes. He had a rough year last year. I think the Chiefs are going to be poised to have a really good year. Their schedule also is tough. Their division is brutal. And the reason why their win total is just 10.5 is solely because they got to play six games combined against Denver, Las Vegas, and the Chargers. That is hard as hell. That is going to be a murderer's row. That AFC West division is going to be loaded to the gills. All four of those teams are excellent. All four of those teams could potentially win maybe any other division in the NFL. So that'll make it difficult. But I don't know. I just just get the feeling that Kansas City's kind of up to something out there. They replaced Tyreek Hill with Juju uh, Smith-Schuster. You still got Mahomes. I think he's going to have a bounce back here. Kansas City, I'd maybe lean over there for them. My Cowboys, the number is 10, over under 10. I think that's about right. I wouldn't touch that one. The, the division still isn't favorable. Washington isn't all that good. The Giants are a mess. Until I see Jalen Hurts be better under center, Kind of doubtful that that's going to take place. I think that that's going to be an interesting line. Now let's talk about the Cleveland Browns. For months, the Cleveland Browns were not listed here in Las Vegas because of the uncertainty with the Deshaun Watson suspension. We know Watson's going to be out for six games. There are rumors the NFL is going to appeal that and try to get him suspended for eight games. Let's assume it's just a six-game suspension for a second, shall we? The first six games for Cleveland are... At Carolina, Carolina's not expected to do a whole lot. Versus the New York Jets, they're awful. Versus the Steelers without Rottlesberger, they're not going to be very good. At Atlanta, they're not going to be any good. The Chargers are going to be tough, and then the Patriots are going to be tough. There's a world where the Browns could start the season off really strong, even with Watson out of the lineup, which I think makes Cleveland one of the more interesting teams in the entire NFL. In the entire NFL. Can they start off four and two without him in those first six games? Three and three. And then you run into the meat of the schedule. Then Watson comes back in the schedule, becomes really tough. You got Baltimore, Cincinnati, Miami, Buffalo, Tampa. They got some really difficult games after that, but that'll be very intriguing to see. And then very quickly before we wrap up, we've got the, the NFL or the, the Vegas casinos think the four worst teams in the NFL will be Seattle over under five and a half, the Jets five and a half, Atlanta five and the Texans four and a half. So thanks to everybody for listening. It's been a fun show. I'll be back on Friday. Hope you all enjoyed. We got, uh, after further review with Matt Moscona coming on after this, 
keep the radio down right here on ESPN 100.3. Have a wonderful rest of the day, everybody. God bless.